Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am a deflated beam. Uh, well, we're both deflated today, buddy. It's been it's been a rough couple weeks for uh, all the couple weeks, a month more for the teams we root for. So not great on any front. We are going to talk quite a bit about of course, Manchester United and their woes. We will get to that a little bit later. They did hire a new manager, though, officially. So yay! maybe the future will start at the end of the season <laughs> mm-hmm. and it'll get brighter from there. Brighter days ahead. Sure. Meanwhile, uh, we will also talk some U.S. soccer news. We will talk about where Erling Holland might be going, even though we kind of think we know where Erling Holland is going. Anyway, we'll get into all that a little bit later. But first, you know, we're going to start with the black and gold. The Columbus crew defeated in Detroit two to one Mm. in the U S open cup by Detroit FC Detroit city. Oh, Detroit city. I'm sorry. That's right. Such an original name. Good job out of them. Way to go. Mm -hmm. You're in could have gone with like forward Madison or Vermont green or one of the cool names that come from these minor league soccer teams. Instead, they were like, Nope, let's just cop to everything the MLS does and copy Europe. So that's good. Good job, Detroit. Anyway, I I have nothing to say really to them other than you beat the crew as you should. I did see, uh, this is, this is always good. Detroit free press headline. How Detroit city FC stunned MLS's Columbus crew (laughs) in historic win (laughs) quote. I'll never forget it. So Caleb Porter might want to forget this. Well, there's a lot of crew fans who might want to forget about Caleb Porter too, Mm. if if we're honest, but let's talk about what this crew team is. Cause it's not just being for the fact that they didn't beat Detroit. City FC. You could argue if they'd been playing great in MLS and they just dropped this one with like a B side yeah, roster, cares? you'd say, "All right, we'll just focus on getting back to the playoffs, win MLS Cup." But and I that's thought, it. I thought Caleb Porter said we're really focusing on U.S. Open well, Cup this well, year. Like we don't take these competitions lightly. Yeah, we don't take it lightly. And then we call up a couple guys from Crew Two to come be a part of the roster. And man, I don't know. Here, here's here's what frustrates me the most about this team right now is this. It seems like there's some apathy setting in, mm-hmm. not from the fans, because the fans have been pretty vocal about how disappointed they are with everything. But I really am not a fan of hearing Caleb Porter and some of the players, quite honestly, saying, I think we're better than this. I think we've been playing really well. I'm just not getting the goals. Oh, is that all you're missing? The goals in soccer. You're playing really well otherwise. It's just those damn pesky things that put the score on the board that allow you to win the game. That's where you've been lacking. And if that was like a new development, I might be less concerned and say, maybe it's just a blip. Instead, this has been a recurring issue now for the last couple of years. Well, it has been. And you go back and you look, uh, I put this out on Twitter the other day, stupidly uh, on our podcast account at bone beam United. Uh, I said, uh, the, the crew haven't scored 
since March 20th. Uh, which Other started, than, you know, a penalty kick. Well, they have not well, scored right. from the run of play. This yeah. was before, this oh, was before right, the right. US Open okay. Cup game. Right. And I'm like, I what's see, the yeah. biggest What's the biggest problem, uh, you know, with the team right now? And uh, a bunch of people on Twitter are like, yeah, scoring goals is their biggest problem. Well, I'm like, yeah, I understand that. But why are they not scoring Let's goals? Let's try to figure some things Let's, out here. Let's workshop this. Um, but this is, in all honesty, man, the last goal that you've scored in open play was Darlington Nagby in the 95th minute against Red Bull on March 20th. We are now over a month since this team has scored in open play. And if it weren't for the Giassi Zardes penalty in the sixth minute of the game and the other 85 minutes of the game where you looked like you were doing absolutely nothing to score a goal, then this team has a serious problem. And I wouldn't be so worried if it was just we're going through a slump. It's a month that you've gone without scoring a goal. I think you would be okay with that. But you start looking back at the track record and remembering this giant slide that they went on last year. What was the problem of that slide bone? What was their main issue score goals. in dropping points? Couldn't score goals. This isn't like it was out of left field. And aside from a couple of Lucas Zellerayan spot kicks uh, and free kicks that he's dunked this year, like you're in big trouble. And it's yeah. just... It's a recurring theme with this team, so we're going to try to to workshop some things on how this team could possibly fix it. I mean, where are you at? Where are you at? I with am, the Because the season started off great. You're feeling good. You looked awesome in your first game. Season opener, very cold, whatever. You're in Columbus. You're looking like one of the best teams. You've got your team back at full strength. You have a nice moment with Artur and Aiden Morris coming back on the field for the first time. Um, and then you've just gone so cold not even cold. You just can't put anything together in front of net that you feel good about. Um, I I get I have a couple thoughts on why that might be, but no, I'm I'm extremely frustrated with this. I'm extremely frustrated with people who want to throw XG at you like it matters. Uh, that what what does that even mean? Uh, like I I know what it means. I know statistically there's reasons why some people value it, and I'm sure that is what the crew are trying to hang their hat on internally to say. We're doing the right things. We've just got to figure out that last final bit of putting the biscuit in the basket. Right. I think that is a little bit misleading. If you're, if you're a crew player saying we're doing the right things. Well, I think analytics can really lead to whatever argument you want to make. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could make the argument off of expected goals. The crew are one of the better teams in MLS. They're just not finishing. Or you can make the argument. The crew have, underachieved with all this talent and that means that they've got a few pieces that really need to be shipped out and and that aren't very good and you, maybe the manager doesn't do a good enough job tactically to get them in the right positions to finish and are they very predictable because teams know and they'll let them play you know for three quarters of the field and then when they get to the final you know 25 percent of the field the final third is what most people would say that's where suddenly the all the good teams start playing good defense because they know the crew have nothing and the crew can't break that down um, I think you can make the argument either way there, but let's look at who they have played to be fair to the crew. And then I will tell you why I don't care when people say like, oh, they're playing these good teams. Yes. Philadelphia leads the East right now. Mm -hmm. They are top of the table in the East. One of the best teams. I think they have the best record in MLS. If I'm they not do. mistaken. Orlando city, one of the best records in MLS, right? That's another team that you've lost to in this stretch. Nashville, one of the best teams out West. They're, I shouldn't say one of the best. They're in the playoff position right now in the West, but we know they are a quality side. They are a very good team, right? So you're playing teams that are really tough in MLS, mm -hmm. and I don't 
I don't necessarily besmirch you for losing games to those teams. What I have a problem with is the crew are going to have to beat those teams to do anything like what their goals are. Right. You're not going to just avoid Philadelphia, Orlando City, these type of teams. And if that's a thought process running through your head, then you're going to be in for a bad wake-up call. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know I know the uh, – I'll shoot down another argument that I've heard, which is, well, it's early. You know, hey, let's not calm down, you know. And I'm I'm someone who usually goes along with that. I have watched as much Major League Soccer as probably most crew fans over my last, I'm saying, like 25 years, 20, 25 years. Now, I don't claim that, like, this year I've watched a ton of MLS. I have, I've watched a few games, but I've not checked in on three or four games every week like neighbor Eric does, okay? I, I don't admit three to that. Three or four games a week, buddy. He's watching the whole slate. <laughs> right, okay. I understand there are people who watch more than me, but I fully grasp that what you're doing in April and May is not necessarily indicative of what you're going to do in September, October, November when it counts. That's true, but can I also go to counterpoint here uh, on that argument? Go back to last year. This team is one of the hottest in MLS. Yeah. Saying, oh, oh, if only if, if and only if you could have made the playoffs, then nobody would want to play this yeah, team. Right. I don't care if your games are in March, in April, and you're saying that it's early. All of these games count for the same amount of points. Yeah. It's not like games that are being played in July and August are weighted towards, oh, they're more impactful and this team is rounding into form. Game number one compared to game number 25 of the season weighted on three points. Yeah, exactly right. And and I I don't think giving up points at home especially should be something that we should look at lightly. I don't think giving up, you know, like a, a game in Philadelphia where who knows how that game goes if you don't get an own goal, right? But Philadelphia basically said, we have a one nothing lead on the crew. Yeah. I dare him to score. And they're right. That Good call by you. That's the way you play that because the crew just have not shown they can do anything offensively other than get really good opportunities up until a point. I uh, had the good fortune this past weekend, and I want to thank the crew for this because they reached out and said, hey, it's youth soccer night. We know you have little kids that play soccer. Would you like to bring some of them to the game? And I said, of course, that's really nice. I thought I was getting like regular old tickets, yeah. right? We roll up there and I'm looking for my section. And again, it's, I'm still, the stadium's new. Like I've been there many times now, but I don't know every section the way I probably did back, you know, in the old stadium. So we had tickets in 140 and I'm like walking. I see 138, 139. And then there's the like Tipico Sports Club, which has like its own entrance. Mm-hmm. And then I see it's like 143, 140. And I'm like, wait, where a the second. hell is this thing? Where is 140? And yeah. I'm like, is it in here? And so we walk in and there's scanners and the guy's like, let me see your tickets. And I showed him on the phone and he goes, oh, yeah, this is where you're supposed to be. Scan them. They gave us wristbands. We walk in. It's a whole, it's, it's like the club thing. It, I think it used to be called the Rail Club. Now Tipico sponsors yeah. it. So, but it's, Really nice private concession stands in there. Very cool. There's a big, you know, it's like a restaurant. I mean, they've got booths and tables and Must bar be nice. seating. Oh, it is nice, buddy. It is really nice. And then you walk out of that climate controlled area and you go down and we were four rows off the field. I saw your video. The seats looked fantastic. They were they were great. But with that, and again, I can't thank the crew enough for offering that. It was very generous of them. I had no idea that's what those were. I thought they were just sending. We get occasionally like promotional tickets for the radio station that are just wherever. They're not, like, special. I had no idea that's what they were doing, so I greatly appreciate that. But 
as I'm sitting there in those very close seats, in those very nice seats that I did not expect, I'm watching for the first half especially. It was like the crew was in our end, kind of the side where we were. Mm -hmm. And I could see some of the angle. Like, you're not that high off the field. I could actually see a little more of like, I see what the players are seeing. I see where, Yeah. yeah, I see where this stuff looks good. But it never fails. That final touch where it's like, They've done everything well, and all they need is that extra little touch to get it around the last defender. Or if they could just have flipped it a little a second earlier, they would have got it around the you know the defender. And and that's where this team struggles. Miguel Barry, man, I I think he has some potential. I think he is is a talented player. He is not yet good enough at holding up the ball and maintaining possession as you know like a like a single top of the formation striker. Yeah. Hold he's up the run and play, waiting for your guys. He's not good enough to do that yet. Or, or, or if he is, it's he's not showing it right now. Jossie is probably a little better in that regard of holding up play and being able to position the team a little bit better because I feel like it gets really clogged up in the middle when Miguel's out there. The problem then becomes, since no one can really generate anything through the middle of the field, now everybody's going out to the sidelines mm-hmm. and we're trying these crosses and no one's really showing they've got the ability to get up and win those headers consistently and put them on frame. So that's an issue. Or the supply balls are not very good. Or the supply balls are not very good, to your point. Then, on top of all that, what you do have is Lucas Elorayon basically trying to do everything in the middle of the field. As you do when your team has, again, lacked a score goal in open play for over a month. And, and he's and he is, I mean, I you can see it watching him. He is brilliant. Even I mean, it was something to watch him up close. I've never sat that close and watched him play. And it's, I can't even, there's no, I, I wish everybody could have that experience. I wish I could just bottle that up and give that to other people. It is truly ma- magical to watch this guy play. But they're not going to score unless he does something otherworldly or it's a free kick. And he had the one that banged off the Mm -hmm. crossbar and that one was right in front of us where he lined up and I had, I had the video on it and it, you could see what he was doing and it's like, it's going in, it's going in. It's not going in It hit the bar. And, and that was it. If he doesn't hit that shot, if he doesn't make something magical happen, this team has no offense. And if you don't get that goal early, which I know Caleb Porter's talked about, we got to get the early goal. Well, that's get fine. a goal, get a goal period. But getting an early goal means the other team has to chase and run and actually play. And that wasn't the problem with Orlando. I mean, Orlando, they were fine. They were the ones going and scoring goals and dog walked. <sighs> yes, exactly. Right. It, but the crew will tell you now nah, we played really well. We just had a couple unfortunate lapses. Yeah, but teams know if they can just withstand you and then counter you, they if they get a goal out of that, they're good. They know they can come in here and get three points. So I will say I think Pedro Santos being the left back, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that he's not playing well at left back. It's that he's wasted not being in the middle of the field. And I know they brought in midfielders to help with that, but he's still probably your best midfielder on this team. Like as far as a winger goes, but he's playing back as a left back. So they need to get him in the attack more. But then, I mean, again, it's the, the guy's 34 years old and you're expecting him to run like 17 miles in a game. It's just, I don't know what the plan is. And that's where to me, it comes to Caleb Porter. It comes to Porter's decision-making his tactics. Everyone knows what this team wants to do. Everyone knows how to game plan against them. He's done nothing to adjust that. 
if that wasn't a pattern from everywhere else he'd ever been, then I wouldn't be so upset about it. But it is. It's literally what his track record has been everywhere he's gone. All right. I'll put, um, you know, balls on both sides of the fence here. So you're mentioning you're up close and personal. By the way, I paid for Nordec tickets the other day, so I'd be glad if the crew were to give me some sportsbooks <laughs> tickets to go to uh, and sit very close. So, I mean, you know. Well, you got to pop some kids out, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. It was you soccer night. I have a dog. What they, they do, do they... bark in the park. We'll bring Theo out there. All right, fine. When they do, like, drunken dog owners night, they will. <laughs> uh, one of one. Brandon's going right. to be the only one. You're the only one getting, yes, you, you, but you get to go. That's right. Um, but to your point of being up close and personal and seeing what the players are seeing and seeing the passing lanes and how everything opens up. And you mentioned, okay, you're one touch away uh, from a good opportunity. Who's to say that they can put the ball in the net, put the ball on target. Uh, That's a whole different discussion entirely. Uh, To your point, it seems like that is working. Uh, whatever system that they are running is working in that capacity where you're just, you're so close, right? You're so close to breaking through uh, and maybe you'd like to do something different or maybe you have a heavy touch, you have a light touch, ball gets taken away, good play by the defender. On the other side of that fence is the inability to adapt and overcome these challenges that are thrown at you. Okay, we've put on tape, this is what we're going to try to do. And when you bang your head against the wall, a thousand times in a row, the likelihood that you're going to get a concussion rises every single time that you do it. And so when you're doing that over and over and over and over again, and you have no willingness to change your tactics, or you don't have the willingness to move Pedro up into the midfield, more into attacking place, and look at your actual team that you have constructed and say, okay, this is fine. It's not working out. We're going to drop somebody in at left back. We're going to move Pedro here. His legs, they're gassed. It's early in the season how do we protect that that's what the manager needs to do yeah you can go into the season having one plan and then if you're realizing a month in again we haven't scored an open play we don't really look like a threat other than lucas scoring an open play we need to tinker with it and i think that is becoming the downfall of this team with the lack of tinkering and the lack of ideas that caleb porter is bringing to the table that's it man you you have plenty of talent you in the have middle the, of the, ta- field. the talent's not the you question have plenty of talent in the midfield you have plenty of capable defenders who if you need to go run if you want to run the five guys in the middle if you want to run three in the back whatever you want to do like there there's plenty of things you can you can mess around with on this but you actually have to do something you two forwards could actually be a thing you do like all the time and i know you're thin at forward I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Talk to Bez. Get something done, man. Like, why Why are you so thin at forward? That's another question I have. But regardless, this team, to me, has the talent to be able to play better than this. I'm not saying they have the talent right now as currently constructed the way everyone's playing. They're not an MLS Cup challenger at this moment. But they could develop into that. But, like, for example, Josh Williams, he's 34 years old. Mm-hmm. He just came back from injury. It's great to see Josh Williams out there. I think there's something to the idea that Jonathan Mensah can't go up and be quite as effective on set pieces and things like that. Yeah, because he's taking a body away. Because he's got to be conscious of the fact that, look, Degnick hasn't been as good as we had all hoped. And I'm sure he's looking at it going, I've got our former left back or our former left winger playing left back now mm-hmm. at 34. I've got a guy who's new to this league and who seems to be having some trouble adjusting to it also playing next to me, I can't be running up here on every single free kick and then be the first one back. Like 
I think Josh Williams, when he can get out there, allows for Jonathan Mensah to not be as afraid to, you know, vaunt, like to take the ball up a little more forward and do things like that. Cause Josh Williams is just a little bit more solid right now. And to that point as well, I've also got a goalkeeper behind me that I'm not hundred percent confident. Well, in at the no moment. kidding. Eloy room has had plenty of question marks about him. I wouldn't mind it. By the way, I, I know it's probably not going to happen, but Manchester city, Zach Steffen has said he wants to be loaned out. So he's going to be playing. I mean, you could do that and I have no problem with Bring it. him back. Yeah, sure. Don't let's, let's not pay attention to what happened with his little gaff over the weekend. Let's, no. Not talking about that. Anyway, the point is, the point is, this little guy. Don't you, worry about this little guy. <laughs> let's try to have some inventiveness. You know what? If you're gonna go out and drop points at home, I'd rather at this point see you doing it with some kind of weird formation. Amen. And try something else. Like Caleb Porter's lack of inventiveness is what is costing this team points right now. Full stop. You can say it's other things. You can point to it's a long season. Fine. Other teams are inventing. Other teams are trying new things. You cannot just do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. MLS coaches are too good now for that to happen. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, talk about another team that sucks. <laughs> Bone and Beam United brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. So uh, before we move on to talking about Beamer's crappy team. I don't want to do it. Well, gonna, I don't, I'm gonna, I don't blame you. I'm going to do what I did last week and try to draw this out as much <laughs> as possible and deflect. <laughs> well, uh, Beamer, I was looking at the Western Conference to see how your other favorite team, Vancouver, is mm -hmm. doing. And uh, not so hot. They have four points through seven games. Yuck. So that's, that's not great. A goal differential of minus eight. Very distraught about that. Yeah. Um, you know, who's not doing terrible right now. And it pains me to say it, brother. Number one in the Western conference is LAFC. Mm. No total surprise there. They had a weird year last year, but they're back and really good. Number three in the Western conference is the LA galaxy. Okay. Oh, turning that ship around. Very nice. You say it's turning that shit around ship, ship, ship. Okay. This ship rocks. Here's what doesn't rock. Number two. In the Western Conference, yeah. with 14 points through seven games, including a plus 10 goal differential, Austin FC. Ooh. What the actual fuck is going on? Like, we can't have that. No. That's got to stop. Like, what are we doing? That's full stop on that. Austin has to lose now. Like, I don't know what's going on there. I haven't watched a game of theirs because I refuse. Mm hmm so maybe we'll have neighbor Eric come in and tell us about Austin FC. I'm sure he watches every game. Yeah, I'm, just, he, hate, he, hate, he hate watches. He watches it, but he yeah. watches nonetheless. I'm just saying maybe he can come in and tell us what's going on and why they're good all of a sudden because I, I do not like that. Also, another uh, little MLS note that I saw from the other day, uh, Miami, uh, <laughs> they've got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. As everybody knows, it's our favorite time of the year. It's political ad season. Yeah, oh, sure. Um, so apparently there is, there's an ad going on in Miami uh, that is talking about how the how Inter Miami's new land purchase is a giant money grab by like city developers oh, yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. So they've got that going on. I think there isn't it a golf course where they're trying to like it's like a muni golf course. I want to say yeah, they're trying to rip up and something. tear up and then build the stadium there, Be Beckham's stadium that he wants to build, and also turn it into like a development, like a business park, residential area, shopping, yeah. like all that. I want to say Dan Lebetard and his people have maybe jumped on that as okay. like, but, but on the save the golf course kind of right. side, not on the build them a stadium kind of thing, <laughs> which good luck with all that. 
Inter Miami. Good for you. If, the, if that's where, if that's how that lays, that's that's not going to go well. For and you. so I also saw uh, the Inter Miami were playing uh, this past weekend at home in Miami. David Beckham was in town, mm. as you would expect an owner of a team to be at your team's game when you were in town, and you don't actually live in said city. Uh, instead, David Beckham. He spent his time at the Miami Heat playoff game and did not go to Inter Miami's game. So uh, I found that to Are be pretty awesome. Me? No, I did see he that. He did not go no. to the Inter Miami game. No, <laughs> but went to the Heat game. You know what? Can't blame him. I'd rather go to the Heat game too. That's a good team. <laughs> Inter Miami sucks right now. They are brutal. Oh, you know what? This will tell you how bad they are. They're worse than FC Cincinnati. Ooh, just well, but based on I don't know goal differential, I think they're sure. pretty much. They both have seven points. So. Not like the crew, though, baby, with our eight points. That's right. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Woo. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. All right. Uh, let's move on to Manchester United. Didn't go well for you either time you played Liverpool this uh, year, Beamer. <sighs> no, it did not. How do you uh, how do you how do you parse all that after a couple trips, not trips, but a couple games against Liverpool, and you pretty much got annihilated. Nine total goals mm. going against you and none coming back the other way. Yeah, 180 minutes, uh, nine nothing on aggregate, which was, um, you know, very good. Uh, I don't know really where I'm at with this team right now. Uh was at Zaftig watching the game. Uh, I believe that was on Tuesday, uh, this past Tuesday, and literally went into the game with everybody that was there. And I think everybody, you know, usually when you get together with friends, you're kind of in a jovial mood and just like, oh, yeah, we're going to get three points. Like, this is going to be awesome, you know, and you're very excited about the game. Sure. I'm pretty sure everybody there um, with the United Supporters Club was like a thousand percent certain that you were going to lose. <laughs> like, walked in, like, I'm kind of like, you know, sad drinking today, yeah, even yeah, before yeah. they kick the ball off. Uh, and then you get a goal in the first, I think, seven minutes of the game where it's for the most expensive defender in world history being Harry Maguire, which pains me to say that he gets caught out of position a whole lot. Mm. Uh, is, that, is that a bad thing when you're a defender who's paid a lot of money? Yeah, I mean, that... it might be mm. Virgil van Dyke doesn't seem to get caught out of position a whole no, lot. No. Uh, that's what a defender should look like. And so they open up the scoring and it's the first six or seven minutes. I mean, bone, it's literally uh, a three on one attack where De Gea has no opportunity to even come close to no. saving the ball. Um, so that gets you started. Then they score another goal 15 minutes later where it's two nil. So you're already dead before halftime. Uh, this team has shown you outside of Cristiano Ronaldo that they don't know how to score a goal as well. So other uh, similarities between them and the crew are very, very slim. Like you take Ronaldo out of the lineup. Yeah. Nobody's going to have a chance to score. Yeah. Um, it was something that was very nice. You know, the story about Cristiano Ronaldo, unfortunately lost uh, one of his newborn baby yeah. uh, twins the other day. I will say for the scope of the rivalry, uh, between Manchester United and Liverpool and how deeply rooted in hate that is and as furious as that rival is or rivalry is, not necessarily this year, but going back through the sure, years, sure. and we all know what that is. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a really, really awesome moment that came from a horrible tragedy of Anfield standing up in the seventh minute and giving Cristiano Ronaldo a, a minute of applause for what him yeah. and his family, unfortunately, uh, are going through. But it was, um, I don't know, it's one of those moments where you kind of take a back seat in what's going on uh, with sports and you're like, you realize that someone, you know, personally is going through this. And we talked about this on the of show, course, like the, yeah. the personal side and the human side of things. And it's our job to analyze what they do on the field, but realizing what's going on in their life uh, off of it. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was, it was a pretty 
damn cool moment again that came out of something very bad but uh hats off to all the liverpool fans for for putting that on i thought that was some serious class that they yeah made. yeah that is a good move by them and i will just add to that that i feel like a lot of times uh in sports fans don't have a lot of things we can do to you know there, there, there's a lot of negatives you can do the only positives you can do are like stand and clap or yeah. cheer or be like you know a decent human and not just like scream at people all the time but that that is one of those moments where even with the limited ability that fans like a group of fans has to do something nice for someone else that that was a neat moment and I definitely think it's it's worth highlighting so yeah the sportsmanship there is very good and I mean it's not even sportsmanship it's just the the humanity of it was a very very good moment um I saw though that uh Eric Ten Hag, who has been long rumored as being the next head coach, will mm-hmm. in fact be the next head coach. He has been named by Manchester United to take over at the end of the season. Uh, so he's got a tall task ahead of him. <laughs> I saw, well, that's I, putting it lightly. Sure. But I saw, I saw that uh, a couple of senior scouts for the team, Jim Lawler and Marcel Bow or Marcel Bow. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Anyway, they've both left. Uh, Lawler was the chief scout. He's been there for 16 years. Uh, the other guy, Marcel, he came over with Louis Van Hall in 2014. So he was the eight year head of global scouting for this team. I find it, I bring it up because now with Eric Ten Hag, one of his big challenges I think is going to be what gave him an advantage at Ajax is going to be a very different thing than what's going to give him an advantage at Manchester United because Quite frankly, you and I could be the head scouts for Manchester United. It ain't about finding talent. Right. All we have to do is slip on the World Cup or any like qualifier or really any Premier League or top four league game and say, who's good on those good teams? Let's grab that guy. Right. Who's the guy that's rumored to be going to all these other places? Let's offer more than them and get him. So I'm not saying that this will hurt them or help them that these guys have left. I'm saying Eric Ten Hag's job now is not to oh, hey, we developed this kid from our academy and brought him through when no one saw him. And then that's still that's still a big piece of their man, philosophy. Man, you can do that, of course, but I'm saying, like, to compete at the level they want to, yeah. they have to be able to land the guys that are out there. They have, to, they, they have to be the ones landing the Erling Hollands of the world and not just assembling a fantasy football team. They actually do have to put together a roster that can play well together because they have a lot of names on this team. Oh, sure. They just don't play well together at all. Yeah, they don't. Uh, I think I saw a stat during the Liverpool game, and United didn't belong on the same field. Like, no, no. Not in the first leg at Old Trafford where they got beat 5-0. Not in the second leg at Anfield where they got beat 4-0. Uh, and so it was going just going back to the game before moving forward with United. You see the cohesion that they play with. You see the cohesion between Thiago and Mo Salah and you know Sané and all these different guys like you need cohesive units uh to be able to win in soccer and you need a competent coach to put them in the best spots and actually believe in your system and that's something that Liverpool has done and that's why they've been so successful under Jurgen Klopp now going to the forward uh for Manchester United and looking at what they are doing moving into the future I saw sat during the Liverpool game and I don't know if this is 100% correct but I think it's in the last I don't know, decade, 15 years, whatever it was. Manchester United has spent 1.1 billion uh, euros in transfers. Uh, Liverpool in that same time frame, uh, who have been much better, and I don't even think it was a decade, maybe it was like the last seven or eight years, uh, have spent a paltry, like, I don't know, 280 million or something like that. 
you're telling me that you're one of the biggest clubs in the world and you're getting boat raced by a team in both legs uh, with a better manager, better players, uh, and you've outspent them by nearly five times. Like, and then you get to the news that their scouts are leaving. Okay, then we're starting to make progress. And I yeah. know that Ralph Raniak has not coached and he has not managed an active team in however many years. I give credit to Ralph, not tactically, because I think if you kept Ole along for this year, like you're probably sitting in fourth place and you're probably going to qualify for the Champions League. That's revisionist history. Ole, player's guy, just said, you know what? I don't really have a strategy. Go out there Go and play. Do your thing. You know what to do. Yeah, you know what to do. And I think there's something that's great about that that players like to play. Listen, the United players aren't listening to Ralph. The thing I will, you know, applaud him for is that he almost seems to be like he's he's very chesty, uh, Ralph Ranick. And after he's like, we're not we're not good enough to be on the field. It's embarrassing. All the right answers. It's almost to me, and from the outside looking in, is that he's kind of uprooting people from their spots, like inside of the organization. That there seems to be this deep rot in from when Fergie left. Yeah. And now he's starting to kind of turn that over. And with the announcement that Eric Ten Hag is going to come here and Ralph's going to stay on and do that. I think Ralph's kind of fallen on the sword a little bit because obviously their play on the field is not good. And maybe tactically he wasn't the best choice to take over uh, as caretaker manager. But you look at what he is doing. You realize you weren't winning anything with this team. Uh, You realize you weren't in a position to compete with city. You weren't in a position to compete with Liverpool. Heck, you're not even in the position really to compete with Arsenal with them beating Chelsea yesterday uh, to finish up in the top four. But I think there is something to be said, like, What's the best way to get this club back to what it once used to be? The best way is probably by nosediving and getting everybody out, flushing the entire yes, system and right. trying to build a new. Yeah, it is almost, a, I mean, this. you're never going to see Manchester United do the version of this that happens in American sports no. where a team goes, like in the NFL, a team wins one or two games and gets the star quarterback and they fire their it's head coach. It's not how it works. No, but but oftentimes when the team is really, really bad, you go through that time period and then they do delete everyone from the coaching staff and say, let's start over and let's bring in a new guy who's maybe a young, you know, offensive minded guy, or again, someone with less experience, but who's got maybe a little bit more of the future. What's like, he's going to be a better future coach and a better future leader than the old leadership they've had. And that starts to lead you down a path where you start getting better results and you start getting better play out of your players. And you start attracting better players who will play in his system, who maybe don't care about, you know, Oh, it's Manchester United or it's Manchester city or it's whatever. I'm just here to play for that guy. Cause yeah. I like him. And suddenly that, that can, you're right. That can be a way to look at it that hopefully that will turn for them. If you're a Manchester United fan. So long season ahead, a lot of silly season rumors to see, but that is a, it's a bold move by Manchester United. And I don't think it's a bad one. It's just now we find out if it works. Yeah, I'm excited for Eric Ten Hag. It's obviously the biggest war chest that he's been given. Uh, yeah. Reports out there. And listen, money spending hasn't been the problem. It's been identifying talent and actually putting in the right system and having the right managers actually manage them. I think he's going to be given like 250 or $300 million this summer to, hey, go out and spend yeah, yeah, yeah. and bring in your guys. And we've seen that before. Uh, but he's had wild success at Ajax. We know that. He likes to lean on youth. I'd be excited to see the way that they play, but they have a long, long way to go, especially when you start looking at the you know pieces on United's roster. It's like, oh, uh, Paul Pogba, he's out of contract. He's not coming back. Uh, by the way, he just threw up the deuces 10 minutes in the Liverpool game and said, yeah, 
I'm hurt. Yeah. Uh, I don't really, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, in this game anymore. Yeah, See you yeah. later, which I thought was terrific out of him. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was bad bone. It bad was stuff. And I, I was actually surprised at the, I guess I really wasn't surprised at the lineup that Liverpool threw out there. I was hoping as a United fan, like maybe just maybe you'll take it easy on them, uh, which I know was stupid and I should have never thought. Cause like, you know, you got Champions League coming up still. You're still in the Premier League title fight. You got the FA Cup against City. Like, you've got everything going at one time. Yeah. Um, but no, they they put the the gas pedal down and did not look backwards. And Tiago was laughing as he was coming off the field. And you know what? Yeah. As he should be. As Congrats should. to them because they just kicked the asses of Manchester United. They absolutely did. So yeah, bad bad. Bad look for Manchester United. Maybe the future gets better. I would just add maybe Eric Ten Hag. Maybe this is akin to like someone who's famous for making kitchen hack videos where Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, did you know you can cook a chicken on a beer can? (laughs) And now they're like, hey, you you now run McDonald's. Like you run this. You've gone from like figuring it out with less. Not that Ajax is obviously not the same as some person, but but it's not the same as Manchester United. Now you've got a little bit different of everything. Everything's different. The pressure's different. Mm. The players are different. The fans <laughs> are money different. You can fan the, yeah. yeah. The expectations, everything. I mean, it's it's going to be a different level. So we'll see what Eric Tenog does. But that's an, a very interesting thing to watch for me, even as a non-Manchester United fan. And I'm sure a lot of non-Manchester United fans, Liverpool fans, Arsenal fans, uh, City fans out there, are wondering and hoping how much of a disaster this yeah, is going yeah. to be. It's like when it's like a car crash when you can't look away, right? It's like ah, this is a disaster, but but in this case, you're like, I kind of hope it keeps crashing. Yeah, like, and they showed those, Fergie in the stands be, in the yeah. Liverpool game too, and I saw a bunch of Liverpool fans hopping on Twitter as they should, saying, "This man ruined our childhood. We ruined his retirement." Oh, like, sure, great, yeah, great. I saw someone tweeted something similar to that that was basically like, I guess this is, if karma exists, it's that all of us as adult Manchester United fans are now paying the price for being child Manchester United fans. We're like, you picked them up as a child, you saw nothing but success, and now you're an adult, and suddenly they they really suck. And that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, it is what it is. Last thing I'll throw at you, the U.S. men's national team is going to be preparing for the 2022 World Cup with a pretty interesting friendly uh, it is against Morocco, who Good is a team. top 25 team, according to the FIFA rankings. So that will be a pretty solid matchup. Uh, they are expecting that this matchup will be one that will feature the full U.S. men's national team. Uh, the U.S. men will play another game as well, which I don't think has been announced yet. By the time this podcast gets out, maybe that's different. So never fails. We record the podcast mm-hmm. and then something is different from what we recorded to when we air it. It's like so, news happens. Yeah, it happened. I know, but it, it usually happens in a way where it's like, oh, I bet they're going to talk about that. And then we don't, mm-hmm. but if we, so, so this game is being played at the tickle yep. down in Cincinnati. So Cincinnati. Yeah. So you might get a chance to see two, what you would think would be pretty full strength sides. I'm sure Morocco would like to get some run too and see what they're made of that early, you know, plenty of time before the world cup. Yeah. So you can just kind of get some more experience for your guys. That should be a pretty interesting game. They also are playing uh, you CONCACAF nations league games against Granada on June 10th and El Salvador four days later. So uh, these are June 1st is the Morocco game. There will be some other games somewhere in there. And then Granada, June 10th, El Salvador, on June 14th. Who would so, you like to play uh, as we get into? Well, I saw that. I can't remember who made the suggestion. It might have been our guy, Nate Beckman. And if it's not, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll give him the credit, even if it's not him. 
I want to say he posted something that said, why not play Ghana at lower.com field, which would be awesome to have like Jonathan Mensah potentially maybe be called up for that game, yeah. have him be a part of it, get to, you know, play for his national team in this, you know, city, but that I don't think that's going to happen. It would be really cool if it did, but I don't know, man, I I'd really like, I would like to see them. They're obviously playing a team from Africa, which is the first time in Greg Berhalter's tenure mm-hmm. that they've done that. I don't know. I'm trying to think of where else you could go. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing him play somebody like Japan. I was going to, you would stole it exactly. Did from I really? Me. Yeah. I That's was going to say, gonna say, I would love to see us play Japan. Yeah. Just I let's, and I don't care where you put the game as much as I'd like it to be in Columbus. I get it. They get, they put we've, one in Cincinnati. That's we've had, we've had two qualifiers in the last six months. Well, it's not even that it's like, I don't, I, the bigger concern for me is this game usually probably would have been in Columbus and they put it in Cincinnati. I think that's the takeaway here. I don't think they're putting another one here. They might put another one like, you know, I could see them doing something in Seattle. Like if they play Japan, how that would be pretty cool. Oh, it would be great. And there would be a lot of fans from Japan who would go to that game in Seattle. If they put it there, I wouldn't mind that. I know, you know, Sounders fans are not my favorite fans of all time, but yeah, move it somewhere. I like, I don't care. It's a friendly. It's not, it's not a world cup qualifier. Right. I still want those to be here, but that's a different thing anyway. So you're going to have a chance to watch this team play quite a bit in June. So just be aware of that. Should I don't even know what the CONCACAF there. nations cup is. I forget. It's like they're off. What's the other one? Cause the, I don't know. Everyone <laughs> UEFA has one too. Know. They're all, this is like, like the confederation. It's their off. It's the off years for the gold cup. They play this kind of weird, stupid thing. You know, I, don't, don't, I don't know. I don't know anything. It doesn't about matter that. anything. It, it means there's chances for this team to get out there and play together during the summer before they go off back to their pro teams and play all the way up to the world cup. So this is going to be like their training camp more or less is how I would be viewing it. If I'm Greg Berhalter, this is my last chance to really install stuff with the main core group of guys. We're going to do this and drill it into their heads. I so. can't wait to get to selection date as well. When we <sighs> nail down that roster, I, know, I feel like there's going to be some oh, people left off be, the team yes, that are going to yeah. be probably pretty upset. I think, I think that's the case. And there might be someone right now who we're not looking at, of course, who has a brilliant end of their season and maybe a great start to the next one. And you say, how do you leave this guy off the roster? Give him a chance to go at least go. And then maybe they get into a game and do something, but we'll find out. It's going to be a lot of fun to discuss it the rest of the way. Thanks again to Zaftig Italian Village for being the official soccer bar of Bone and Beam United. We will see you guys next week. Take care.